Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is the 22nd of May, 2019. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, it's been a pretty insane ride this week so far, and it's only Wednesday. It seems like this week is longer only because so many events from that were festering last week are coming to manifestation this week. Now, in the second half, like I said, we're going to be talking border, border, border with um, Cindy Gomez-Shemp. And um, in this first hour, what I want to do is kind of touch up on breaking news, what's to come today, and talk about Iran. But before I get into Iran, I'm going to explain to you guys what this nuclear deal really means. Because, you know, a lot of people think it's about having weapons or possessing weapons. And a lot of people don't understand what uranium, well, people know what uranium is. But what exactly it is, that what kind of uranium and how it is, and I'll break it down really easy. Well, as easy as I can, um, you know, so that way people understand when they're talking. Because uh, the one thing that I notice is that most journalists, the media, and politicians love the fact that you have no idea what they're talking about. Love the fact that they just say things like, yeah, weapons. And, you know, unfortunately, people actually have to repeat that because they don't want to get into educating the public. And there's reasons for that. The less you know, the easier it is for them to get things done. Right, guys? So where do we start? I think we should start with the fact that um, we have a lot of a lot of stuff happening. Apparently, there was... Everyone going into the from the White House, all the press went to the Rose Garden um, and, you know, right after the Democratic leaders arrived. So we're talking Pelosi and all those clowns. And the president kind of, from what I see, said, we're going to talk about this when we're done with your witch hunt kind of thing. So it was really weird. Um, apparently, there's going to be some announcement at 2.15 Eastern time in regards to what America first policy really means. And uh, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Before anything, I want you guys to listen to a clip of Pelosi where they're talking about President Trump trying to cover up as as impeachment talk surges. Here's the thing, though. The impeachment, like I said, is an obligation for us to impeach President, former President Barack Hussein Obama, retroactively, and his whole clan. All of them, not one, not two, all of them. Take a listen to what she says. And you know what, again, is anyone going to provide a medical check on Pelosi? She's third in line, and she can't even 
you know, formulate a good stream of consciousness uh, in a sentence, which is ridiculous. Take a listen to what she says. Hold on. Let's get this clip going from NBC. We had a very productive meeting by five of our our chairs uh, who are doing uh, their uh, oversight of the activities of the Trump administration presented to the caucus. Uh, the, uh, Mr. Cummings talked about the Mazur decision, which was very favorable uh, for us. The court ruled in the favor of the House Democrats. Uh, Maxine Waters talked about the Deutsche Bank decision, uh, the case which is in the court today in New York, 1030. That case will come up. Mr. Uh, Mr. Schiff of the Intelligence Committee talked about the documents that now the Justice Department is willing to convey uh, to present uh, to the Intelligence Committee. Uh, so there were three current, within the last uh, 72 hours, uh, examples of progress that were made uh, to get the truth and the facts for the American people. Before I continue and play the rest of this nonsense, she says, I want you to pay attention that in that nonsense, she resonates a message that people need to understand. They're not doing their jobs. They're getting together and looking. Let's get his tax returns. Let's get his bank records from before he he was president. Let's get his company. Let's get his kids. That's not their job. Their job is not to go after the sitting president. Their job is not to go and demand tax records from days of yore before he was president. Their job is to legislate. Like this is pure insanity. They shouldn't even be paid because all they're doing is these secret meetings behind their back and will get to the fact that they invited Brennan, Brennan and Sherman to come and talk to them about the around deal. Brennan, who has no clearance, but he facilitated and he was there formulating this Iran deal. So I get why they would have him there. But to have it only for Democrats, that is a very big deal. But anyway, let's listen to what else she tells you. Aside from the fact we're not doing our job, we're just going to get him. Uh, We had other presentation from Richie Neal about what's happening on the tax thing. It's very clear. It is the law of the land. Uh, It is very clear. It is the law of the land. And then, um, of course, Jerry Nadler spoke in the beginning to give us a context uh, for all of this. Excuse me. Right now, the Judiciary Committee is marking up the DREAM Act. We do have our our, uh, legislative agenda that we're moving forward on. Uh, It was a very positive meeting, a a respectful sharing of ideas, and I think a very impressive presentation by our chairs. Uh, We do believe that it's important to follow the facts. Uh, We believe that no one is above the law, including the President of the United States, and we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up, in a cover-up, and that was the nature of the meeting. He was engaged in a cover-up, a cover-up. So you're talking President Trump was engaged in a cover-up, or are you talking about yours? No one is above the law, then why are you still out and loose after your your visa scandal, where they made a law about it, which obviously never harms anyone in uh, Congress or Senate. But, you know, like I said, politicians and the mainstream media like to give it to you dumbed down and skewed, not the facts. That's a really, really, really big deal. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty shocking how people don't find that um, alarming, insulting, 
to the American people, if anything. I mean, geez, guys, these people are saying that we don't need to do our job. What we need to do is focus focus on getting him out. I wanted to just um, play a little clip. Senator Kramer, who's my senator from my state, uh, was just in the briefing uh, with uh, Pompeo yesterday about Iran. I want you guys to listen to what he had to say. Senator Kramer, welcome back to Point of View. Thank you for your time, sir. You just walked out of this briefing on the Iran situation. Take us in the room for the people watching right now. What do we need to know that came out of this briefing? Well, what's important about a classified briefing in the Senate SCIF with 99 of my closest friends and the Secretary of State, Secretary of the um, Defense, and the um, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is what I need to know. <laughs> and most of the time, the reason it's classified is that you don't. <laughs> but that, that said, that said, Chris, what I walk away from that, you know, some, some things are confirmed, some things are new, of course. Um, but for me, a sense of confidence that, you know, our military, our, our president responded appropriately to, to, to threats that were credible and to intel that was credible and specific. And they responded in a way that, that detoured uh, a miscalculation on the part of Iran and its and its proxies that that I believe prevented loss of life and, and any any attacks on on human life. Um, I think we all know there were some things that were that were done to assets in the region, uh, you know, ships and and oil assets in the region. Um, there was you know certainly some briefing on that and. and uh, but more importantly, the the U.S. response, the ally response, and. Um, reminding us that this this is a 40-year uh, habit of, of Iran to uh, to test us in these ways, and, um, and this time I think we we, replied, we responded properly and they withdrew. So just for clarity, sir, because there has been some questions about the. Okay, I'm just going to pause it right there. So, uh, first of all, all of you out there that listen to me in the lower 48, and I know Alaska, I'm streamed. Is it Fairbanks? I'm not sure. Send me a message. I don't remember. We should be holding our local media accountable to to, to ensure that we get you know interviews like this with our local senators that are part of meetings like this. Because, you know, they're representing us, right, in our state. So if you're in Louisiana, they represent you. I'm in North Dakota, so Kramer represents me. And, uh, you know, hats off to all reporters of local states that tap into their senators and their congresspersons for comment. Because they will give it to you without the fluff and without the frills of CNN. But if we paid attention to what Kramer said is, is that during this classified briefing in the skiff, which means he can't talk about a lot of it, one thing was for sure, and what he could talk about was confirmed that there was good intelligence received because the Democrats are saying it was bad intelligence, right? On top of that, he skirted over the issue of, you know, attacks, stupid attacks, okay? Let's make this clear to ships, so there was no deaths, there were no deaths, no oil spillage, but it was a message being sent supposedly, which is iffy because Iran is in a position right now to, uh, to be boisterous because of the issues that we're seeing in Europe. And this is a big deal because Iran is in a position of negotiation with the European Union 
Very much so. And you know what I love about it? That Putin is working with the European Union while we're strong arming Putin to be like, hey, you can't like side with them and stuff. And he's like, why not? He is like our, you know, wild card that goes this way and that way. He's like, look, I have interest here. I have interest there. Unless the United States can sort out this whole EU thing, we're going forward with Nord Stream 2 and we are supporting uh, this Iran deal from 2015, which I will break down to you. But I wanted you to just listen to the next answer that Kevin Kramer puts forward to the question that um, this amazing journalist, Chris Berg, uh, put forward. Listen to this. The credibility of the things you just mentioned, you talked about, you had the hits on the boats from Saudi Arabia, the UAE and Norway. There was the pipeline and also there was the missile that was launched at the U.S. embassy. So just for clarity, you're saying that those all did come from Iran and that was confirmed today. Well, I'm not going to confirm that. I leave that to Secretary Pompeo and Secretary Shanahan, whether they want to confirm um, you know, that, te- that level of intelligence or not, all I can tell you is that they're, that I was convinced that, and that they're convinced that Iran has um, intentions and ha- at least had intentions that were that would have been devastating had they been allowed to do them. But I think, Chris, for, for North Dakotans and for Americans, it's important to remember this this 40-year habit that, that Iran has had of, of attacking U.S. personnel throughout the world and um, how we respond matters and how we respond has to be in a way that you know, both deters them from doing it, doing it more, doing more of it, doing it again, at, while not escalating uh, you know, the, the fight. And um... Okay, so he was clearly very uncomfortable from his answer. So I want you guys to understand that what he answered was the answer you needed to understand. So there were different... Um, demonstrations as they were reported by mainstream media and some have been confirmed for like attacks on Saudi ships for out in, you know, in the Gulf and in the Med and missiles, you know, they're all confusing. It's kind of like that Khashoggi thing. Yeah. He was with the fiance. No, he wasn't. So he did not confirm or deny uh, those allegations or if they were correct which in essence, if they were in a classified briefing and those were correct and they were confirmed, they would have been given the note to say you can confirm. This way, you don't know which one was actual and factual and which one was a facade. But what you can see is the response from the other nations in regards to this. So... First of all, people need to understand that Russia, France, and Germany actually put out statements uh, early this morning, you know, their time, right? We were sleeping during that time, saying that they are standing firm uh, to preserve the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran, and they are stressing their commitment to boosting trade ties with the Islamic Republic, despite the United States' unilateral withdrawal from the accord. This is major news. I don't know why everyone is not talking about it. This is imperative People understand, and I'll tell you why. I'll play this um, short clip um, about the war pipe. That's what they've labeled it, Nord Stream 2. Between the U.S. and Germany are on the rise over the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. Tensions. But Berlin says it won't be cowed by Washington's threats. 
America is acting in this case like Germany is its colony. This is something I don't want to happen, and we need to prevent this at all costs. Berlin is currently hosting an energy conference with the EU's approach to Russian gas high on the agenda. Peter Oliver reports from the event. Been hearing here at this gas conference in Berlin is that Europe, Germany as well in particular, needs a reliable source of energy that comes not from coal, not from nuclear, that the idea in Germany is to get away from, well, with nuclear by 2022 and coal by the end of 2030s. By the end of the 2030s, gas, they say, is the only way forward. However, what we are seeing is big opposition to that, particularly coming from the United States. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas has put forward a bill which could see extra sanctions put in place on those companies that are currently building the Nord Stream 2 pipeline in the Baltic Sea. And it's not just from them that we've heard this criticism. Also, the ambassador for Germany, for, from the United States here in Germany, Richard Grinnell, issued a warning that, well, pulls no punches. Sanctions are coming if you continue to be involved with Nord Stream 2. From American point of view, the pipeline is not just transporting gas, but has an increased sanctions risk. Well, Grinnell isn't the only U.S. ambassador that's been having an outspoken say on this. The U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sundland, also suggested that Europe should... Well, he didn't suggest, he directly said that Europe should, should source its energy from democratic sources, not undemocratic ones, pointing a finger directly at Russia while he was saying that. Now, I spoke to, um, to uh, Klaus Ernst, who's a member of the Bundestag, heavily involved in the committee that uh, looks into Nord Stream 2 from here in Germany... And he said statements like this were absolute rubbish. What angers me most here is that German companies and other European companies that want to build this pipeline are being threatened and told they won't be able to do business in the US if they take part. These are extraterritorial sanctions that go beyond the US. They go against international law and, in my opinion, are completely unacceptable. Okay, so President Trump, who is, um, you know, a Russian agent, is now, you know, asphyxiating the Russian economy by trying to block a source of revenue. Because Nord Stream 2 will allow Germany to be piped up directly to Russia to get natural gas. Now, this is because they need that facilitation because they share pockets of natural natural gas uh, underwater with the Ukraine as well, just so you know. And the issue here that President Trump has is, is that this Nord Stream 2 pipeline and these pipelines that are being formulated linking Asia and Europe is part of this bigger vision of the Eurasia and building this um, global order, as one would say, with the Silk Road connections. And this is part of the plan. So Russia's already said, listen, man, if you can get them to stop, you know, doing what they're doing in the Middle East, that's fine. Up until then, I'm looking at Russia first. So nobody can blame Putin for like being like, well, I'm going to side with the Europeans because I'm going to make a lot of money right now. And I've invested a lot of money in this project. Keep in mind, Nord Stream 2 was actually funded by the United States. And these statements by him saying that, oh, treating Germany as if it was a colony, well, the fact of the matter is they are, because this was the plan. The United States ran the whole show up until Obama left. Nobody had a problem with that. Now they have a problem with it because we're adhering to agreements that are not available to the public of the relationship between the United States and the European Union um, that the president no longer honors, and so they're upset.
So they're saying that they're going to back Iran and back Russia. Now, the backing of Iran is a very big deal. Um, I'm going to take a little step back and give you guys a little quick, you know, super fast lesson in nuclear energy. So it's a lot more easier for you to understand. So this whole deal is about uranium. People think immediately that it's about making missiles. What people need to understand is that uranium naturally, right, is found in a specific form in earth. Uh, You know, it can be under your house as well. Uh, It's called uranium-238. So 238 is the natural state. It's like saying, you know, water. Regular water is H2O, two hydrogens, one oxygen, so many protons, so many neutrons. For uranium, the natural state is to have 92 protons and 146 neutrons. This is kind of like a balance. Remember, neutrons are neutral, so if you have 92 protons, you have 92 electrons, and you have your neutrons. So just remember, it means it's stable. So it's kind of radioactive, but it's not really. It can't explode. It can't create, you know, any any fissile, as they say, you know, to create, um, you know, a nuclear reaction or sustain it. And it's it has a very long half-life. Half-life means how long it can sustain its properties to become potentially uh, nuclear, to cause a nuclear reaction. So kind of like your medications when you get them from the pharmacy, they say they expire in like, I don't know, two years or whatever. The reason they say it is that if you take it after two years, the half-life, shelf life, let's say, goes down. And so the efficacy of that medication is no longer as potent as it would have been if you took it within that time. Same thing for uranium-238. It's very long, which means it won't start degrading as a chemical being, you know, the 92nd element on our periodic table. It won't degrade until later. Um, But here's the deal. So almost... 99.5%, 99.5%, let's say, 99 point, the, the, the going numbers are 99.2 to 99.4%. So let's just say 99.5% of all uranium on this planet is uranium-238. The rest is like uranium-235, which means, you know, it has less neutrons, proton ratios are different. I'm not going to get into like the details with a trace amount of maybe uranium-234. So we're talking like 0.5%, maximum 0.7% on the whole planet. Now, people, because it's radioactive, they think that uranium is something, oh my gosh, it's really bad. It's actually fairly safe to handle. It is. Um, The thing is, it's because it doesn't fissile and it can't start a nuclear reaction on its own. The thing is, though, uranium-235, that 0.5%, is fissile. It can start a nuclear reaction and sustain it, you know, like perpetuate it, kind of like um, phosphorus, you know, like, well, no, magnesium, if you like, no, I'm going to get something more simpler. Okay, so torches with oil. If you light them on fire, they can sit there and burn for a while, whereas a match will go out after a while. That's the difference. Um, Uranium-235 is like that torch with unlimited, I would guess, amount of fuel to fuel a nuclear reaction. Uh, So, you know, like like if you wanted a power plant, they have uranium, right? They put like a picture like a uranium ball, right? Well, 3 to 4% of the uranium that they have there has to be 
uranium-235. And how do you make 235? It's by enriching it. So by changing the properties of uranium-238. Now, there's ways to do this. You can change properties of elements, uh, any element, right? Water, you could change the properties of that, right? You can change the properties of anything um, by electromagnetic separation. You can use things like liquid thermal diffusion or gases, you know, using gas to diffuse or centrifuges. Now, centrifuges, if you've watched a movie and they like, you know, separate DNA, it's like this thing that spins really, really fast and you put a weight on one side and what you want to separate on the other and you spin it really quick. Now, centrifuging is the best way to do it, but it's really not as practical, you know, for large scale enrichment of uranium. So, uh, but the most common method today is centrifuge. Um, you know, it's taken a lot of time to develop these big, huge centrifuges, uh, to be able to do it in a more mass production, but that's what it is. Highly enriched uranium, just so you know, has to be a uranium purity percentage, meaning to be like, say you have like envision a box. Okay. You have a box. So if, um, two, three, three, four fifths of the box are filled with stable uranium 238. The other fifth is filled with uranium 235, the radioactive, the, the, the one that can cause nuclear reactions. Okay. So that's how you picture it. That creates a nuclear bomb. The enrichment, the stripping, the making it more unstable and more fissile. It's not seriously unstable, but well, yeah, it is because it can auto react. So it's, uh, you have to remember it's very expensive to create and it's very difficult to do it too, because it is highly unstable. And while you're centrifuging, what if? So just so you understand, it's stripping the properties of regular uranium and doing it. That's what the whole deal is about. It's not about them making bombs. It's not about them making missiles. It's about them making enriched uranium, stripping it down and having factories that do this. And on top of that, having heavy water. So right after this short break, I'm going to tell you what their capacity is and what they've been doing and how ridiculous this deal is because everyone thinks it's all about just selling missiles. It's not. We'll talk about this right after the break so you get what's really going on. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978 855-700-2978 855-700-2978 
That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, again. Um, so we're just going to continue and plow through this. I was a little bit, um, I, I think I had a moment of enjoyment over the break. One, talking with Cindy, and two, just rewatching. <laughs> You know, the statements of how President Trump just walked in, everyone gathered to the Rose Garden. He said, yeah, and he walked out like a boss. Um, totally enjoyed it because I think he's tired of the BS that they're putting out, okay? And this is it. There's a lot of you that don't understand exactly what this Iran deal is. This deal has nothing to do with them building missiles, has nothing to do with them having weapons. I mean, obviously, if you're making enriched uranium, uh, you can, you know, build nuclear reactors. You can make missiles, um, you know, nuclear uh, nuclear missiles, nuclear anything. You can make weapons, but it's not about that. That's the thing. It was never about them making, uh, you know, weapons. It was about them stockpiling enriched uranium uranium that has been purified you know like if you have like a box like i said and it's over 20 percent of uranium 235 that active one as opposed to the more inert one would say uranium 238 and it's really really important the 2015 deal said that they could only um stockpile 300 kilograms so that's like what five six Close to 700, like let's say roughly 650 pounds, 660 pounds, doing the math quickly, of uranium-235, okay? Not uranium-238 that they can mine and have and, you know, you could keep it in your closet if you want. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. It's not that unsafe. 
but uranium-235 is. So they're only allowed to have that much stockpiled. But it's not just that. Um, you know when you cut yourself, right? Uh, you usually use rubbing alcohol to wipe your wound or something called hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide is heavy water. It is water with an extra, you know, it's heavier. It's got an extra hydrogen, right? It's H2O2, right? It's heavier. So it's called heavy water. They're not even allowed to stockpile more heavy water either because you need the heavy water in order to stabilize the uranium-235. Are you getting it now? It's a, I mean, you can use light water, which is regular, and they use that in nuclear reactors, just so you know. But when it comes to uh, enriched uranium that you're going to use in a missile or any other weapon uh, that you might want to um, arm as nuclear, you use heavy water. So this was not just for them. This deal was for them stockpiling. Why do I say this? Let's pretend I make cookies at home. And, uh, you know, everyone's like, man, you know, you've got the best cookies in the world. You're the only one that has those chocolate chips. We need to regulate you because if everybody gets those chocolate chips, then we're all going to get fat. So you, Tori, are only allowed to have 300 kilograms of those chocolate chips and so much, you know, flour, which would be representative of the heavy water, butter, and sugar, um, to make the cookies. That's it. You're not allowed out anymore because that is normal. That's a normal amount. You know, it won't go over. And if you have any more, you are obliged to sell it. And you cannot keep it. And you are not allowed to hold on to it. So any violation on the limits of the heavy water, the hydrogen peroxide, let's per se, you know, layman, and the enriched uranium is really under this agreement, under Iran's control. Iran doesn't have to say, well, like me, I'd be like, yeah, here's all the chocolate chips. I open up my pantry and show it to you. But then I've got like a Christmas container, 20 of them in my storage room packed with chocolate chip cookies that you don't know about and they have tons and I have tons. And not only that, I got the Chinese, I got the Pakistanis, I got the Arab nations all wanting some of my chocolate chips and I'm selling them on the black market for serious coin. That was the concern about this deal. The deal was that it was, Iran was like, yep, yo, that's fine. I'll only have that much. And if I accidentally have too much, uh, then what I'll do is I'll sell it to you guys. That was basically the deal. So you guys understand that. So in mid-February of, what was it, of um, this year, Iran, um, it was reported that they had a hundred and almost 125 metric tons of heavy water. This is like February. And then they're supposed to have a new report in May, but, you know, it is estimated that they may have produced, what, another like five, six metric tons. That brings it to their limit that they're allowed to have, which is 130 metric tons. So in this year, in, in February, they were already almost at capacity, just five tons of heavy water below. So imagine on the uranium. So... 
you know, China, Europe, and Russia, they're backing this accord. Of course, Russia would because they need uranium. They had to come and buy some of it from Hillary Clinton, of course, right? Didn't they? Didn't she sell it out and made tons of money for it? So think about it. We've got, you know, Iran trying to work around, you know, the U.S. sanctions um, with China, Europe, and Russia uh, so that way they can still trade, now, if Iran was to breach any part of their deal, like, you know, to um, have more uranium than they should, and we can prove that, or have more heavy water than they should, and we can prove that, then they would be isolated by Europe, China, and Russia. But for now, the European Union is like, they haven't violated it, so we're good. Yeah, because they have 299 kilograms of enriched uranium. So you think they don't have any Christmas boxes stocked somewhere else. This agreement that was made was to reduce the amount of centrifuges they had to actually enrich the uranium, not so much mining it. They can have stacks and stacks and stacks of, you know, natural uranium somewhere, and that's not a violation of the deal. The deal was you're not going to operate the centrifuges, you're only going to make so much, and you can't stockpile more than this. Now, if you produce more than that, you have to tell us that you're going to go over your limits so that we can buy it and control who purchases it. Are you getting it now? This is exactly what the deal is, and it was completely bogus. It's like, are you serious? Take my cookie example, for example, right? That's like the perfect example. Everybody in the world is telling me, Tori, you can't make more than these many cookies because it can damage the globe. They'll all get fat and lazy just eating chocolate chip cookies and being indulgent. You can't do it. You got to regulate it. And I'm like, sure. But I have like an unlimited, not unlimited, but I have a very rich resource of these special chocolate chips. You think I'm just going to let them sit there when I can, you know, take them out of the ground? I'll take them out of the ground, and then I'll stockpile it. I'll make it into enriched uranium, because what's the point of having all these machines that I operate, that I paid for, that I invested in, with American dollars that I created, right? American dollars in the 70s, late 70s, Peter Strzok's daddy. So 80s and 90s were invested to create these facilities to enrich uranium, and now you want me to just have them sit there idle and collect dust? No, that's not happening. I'm going to make enriched uranium. It's none of your business if I'm making it. And I'm going to store it somewhere else and come find it. I dare you because you're not allowed to, according to the agreement. Now, the agreement says that they're allowed to test the machines ever so often. So that way they don't go idle. It's kind of like a car. If you park it once a month, at least turn it on, right? Or else it goes dead completely. That's what they're doing with the Iranian um, regime's equipment to enrich uranium, to create the heavy water. So this is a big deal. Now that you understand exactly where we're going, it's like mining gold or mining silver or mining diamonds. They're like, yeah, you can get all the diamonds, but you got to keep them as rocks in the corner. You're just not allowed to clean them up and sell them. And you're just like... Who are you to tell me that? Well, then we're not going to trade with you. Now you understand how BS this agreement was. This agreement was put in place as a, an insurance policy to Iran if ever they flapped their lips. If ever they told of what the plan was, if ever they told how they wash money for the world, that is why they're there. You know, I saw a picture of a photo op. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm laughing thinking about it, um, of Putin, Merkel, and Macron when they discussed, uh, you know, nuclear energy in Iran. And it looks so good because you could just tell from Putin's face, he's like, look at these stupid clowns. They really think they're going to win. You know, sometimes your face just says everything. That was it. And this is it. The European Union has now shot that bullet out of the chamber. They are going full speed ahead. You know, they are going nuts. They are demanding that the United States honor the Iran deal that we pulled out of already, by the way. And, you know, they, they're just not having it. I want you guys to listen to what the Ukrainians had to say about this. I watched this, um, this channel. Um, it's UATV. First of all, because it is like so corny, but their news is pretty good. Um, it is biased. It's mainstream media. But this guy, Garchuk, I love watching him because he just makes me laugh. Uh, you can find their stuff on UATV English all the time. I'm just going to play a clip about what they're talking about. Nord Stream 2 is a geopolitical weapon. Didn't I say that in November? Washington has- I've said that in November, right? Geopolitical weapons are all these pipelines. The geopolitics at play are because they're arming these pipelines. So when they call it a war pipe, all of them are war pipes. I think I, I never use that term, but I did say that the pipelines are geopolitical weapons. Hear this. Has condemned Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline project as a, quote, geopolitical weapon, following claims it will increase Europe's dependence on Russian gas. U.S. President Donald Trump and Slovakia Prime Minister Peter Pellegrini slammed the project for leaving other nations vulnerable. To discuss this, we are joined in the studio today by Oksana Ischuk, analyst in international and energy relations at the Center for Global Studies, Strategy 21. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. So um, let's start with the level of readiness of this construction. Yes, the level of threat is very high for Ukraine, as if Nord Stream 2 will be built, uh, then uh, the transit through the territory of Ukraine uh, will be stopped. Uh, this transit is approximately 3% of GDP of Ukraine, uh, so it is a huge uh, amount for our budget. This can, um, okay, I was asking about the readiness, but if we're talking about the threat, mm-hmm. uh, you said that this is 3% GDP? 3% of Ukrainian GDP and approximately three billion uh, Ukrainian hryvnia. But um, this year forecast about Ukrainian GDP is totaling about 3%. So can this uh, deprive Ukraine of of GDP growth, uh, I mean, at all? Uh, I'm not speaking about uh, growth. I'm speaking about total uh, number of Ukrainian GDP. Um, Uh It's not about growth. Okay. Uh, So uh, if we... I just wanted to point that out. Did you hear that? So the Ukraine is part of the EU and the Ukraine is literally owned by Germany. They are in so much debt that Er Germany owns them. So what they're saying is that that they're reliant on this Nord Stream 2 to to their total GDP, right? Um, uh, uh, 3%. He's like, but our growth GDP is 3%. Will this harm? She's like, well, I'm talking about the general one. But he's on it because that's what it means. The Ukraine, which means the European Union, which means the Germans, topple on their investment. This is a big deal. Just listen to what she says, what um, Oksana says right after this. 
we're talking about the readiness of the project, um, how much, I mean, um, what distance pipe of this pipeline have been already constructed? Mm-hmm. On the latest uh, announcements, uh, announcement of uh, Gazprom about uh, one thousand kilometers uh, of uh, one hundred. Uh, uh, 1,200 uh, was built. Um, uh, the uh, Nord Stream 2 is built in uh, German territorial waters and uh, in uh, Russian waters. Uh, also some uh, part of a subsection of uh, pipeline is built in Swiss uh, territorial waters, but there is uh, no section in Denmark territorial waters as uh, Denmark um, uh, asked for additional uh, ecological assessment of the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denmark so, is the last country who yes, uh, didn't this give is the permission last, yet. Uh, country who uh, didn't give the permission. Uh, and uh, there is also uh, some construction and infrastructure should be built uh, in Russia near the Estonian border. Mm -hmm. So basically, do they have to ask for Estonian permission as well? Uh, no? no, they don't uh, need Estonian permission. Mm-hmm. Because uh, these the, are the, Russian territorial waters. Yes. Uh, Did you guys hear that? So just so you understand the geopolitics, and this is why Trump is right. Our president is awesome. He's breaking it down. I mean, th- it is important that everyone understand what is really going on. It's not just words. But these are all territories that have an interest in this. The waters. You hear German. You hear Russian. You hear Swiss. The Swiss actually, um, you know, are usually very neutral and they're very passive. You see how other people were reluctant. You see how they bypass Estonia by saying that it's on the border with Russia. So since it's going to be the infrastructure land base will be Russia, it will be considered Russian waters. You see how they evade the facts. So where is the readiness? How is the infrastructure in place? It's not. But they need to use that money fast because the U.S. has thrown a rent in their plan to take stronghold of the Middle East, that global order that Macron is talking about, that global order that Merkel and Juncker are talking about. This is a big deal. And in the end, China and Russia are the ones smiling for photo ops. But just take a listen to the next question and how she answers that. The only country, it's Denmark, as you have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're talking about this ecological assessment, uh, the assessment of ecological influence, as far as I understand, of this pipeline, um, this is already the third one. Um, do you think that um, somehow the result of this assessment can be uh, different? Um, uh uh, we don't know about the results of this assessment uh, because uh, Denmark, Denmark uh, would not be the only country who uh, uh, don't give a permit uh, for the Nord Stream 2 and uh, it uh, do not want to be the only country who uh, forbid the construction. Uh, so Denmark uh, do not want to be uh, the main enemy of uh, Gazprom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we can say that Denmark is waiting uh, for the American steps um, according to Nord Stream uh, and um, uh, waiting for uh, uh, some change in uh, international situation. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That was key. This is stuff you won't hear on CNN or Fox or anywhere. The, the Denmark, the kingdom of Denmark. Remember, where did Pompeo go? The Arctic Council in Greenland. Greenland is part of the kingdom of Denmark, right? They don't want to be the person that says no to who? Gazprom. 
right? And so think about that. Think about the politics that are playing with this. It's the Germans and the Europeans saying, oh, we just want energy freedom. No, you don't. You just want an alternative because now you've lost it. You have no control of the United States anymore, all of you. Barack Obama passed you the torch and you failed. You failed in this coup. You failed in everything. This is why the Democrats are ramping up. And here's the deal. You know, they, they, they're they saying that they've got some intelligence where someone ran to an embassy and gave it. Guarantee you, if anything, that intelligence is reinforcing the notion that they have actually broke that agreement. And I guarantee you that with that evidence, Russia and China will take a step back because, you know, fair is fair. And you watch Europe obfuscate it. You watch Europe start to say, well, we need to trade with Iran. Iran already said. If Europe doesn't throw us an economic uh, lifeline, they said it yesterday on the Tehran News, which I'm so fortunate enough to have access to watch like local news through special links. They said that President Trump will be talking with us very soon about this. They said that. They said Iran will be speaking directly with President Trump very soon on this. They are flipping on the EU. The EU has lost their foothold, and now we're seeing the Democrats go nuts. And they invited Brennan. Why? Brennan and Sherman were the ones that helped facilitate the details of the JCPO. They're the ones that did it. They're the ones that put it together. And just so you understand, the key requirements for it to maintain is that for 10 years um, operating their centrifuges uh, to 5,000 IR machines, even instead of the total 6,000 of those machines, excess centrifuges that are over 13,000 are supposed to be dismantled and stored and monitored. Who's monitoring? Nobody goes there. Um, 15 years of, uh, you know, the Rich uranium levels are capped at 3.67% of all uranium they have can only be uh, uranium-235. Remember what I told you guys, all you need is 4% uranium at 235 to create a nuclear reactor. And they have it just under that. But there's other stuff, not only the stockpile that you can only have 300 kilograms which is 3.67% of enriched uranium in total, in all forms, they say, right? In all forms of of U-235. They're also saying that um, people should be removed. So in that, the UN sanctions, uh, you know, what they're going to be putting down, this agreement is very detailed, but it also says that when they signed it and put it into effect in January of 2016, when Barack Hussein Obama sent $1.8 billion in total dollars, dollars to Iran, that they would cease the application of economic sanctions against Iran's oil. They would allow uh, not licensed non-U.S. entities um, that may be controlled by someone who is a U.S. person to engage in activities with Iran. So I'm an American citizen, but I have created a company in, I don't know, Luxembourg, and I can, you know, interact with um, Iran and sell their excess uranium for them. Are you understanding where we're going with this? It also allows the sale for commercial passenger aircraft to Iran. Keep in mind, this was put in effect in 2016, but we have now going through the courts people. There was a New Hampshire uh, venture firm linked to the Clintons and Obama that they were selling airplanes to Iran, commercial aircraft 
to Iran prior to this deal going through. And they're going through court right now. It allows, this this deal allows uh, licensing for importing Iranian carpets and food to the United States. Dude, you know their carpets are really good. Iranian rugs are awesome. I own two. So they're really, really nice. Um, it says that uh, the United States uh, will address their state and local level laws. Um, you know, so they would tell us, so say the state of North Dakota says... I'm not buying any Iranian carpets. I don't care what this agreement says. Well, in the agreement, it says that the U.S. will take appropriate measures to ensure that the states comply at a local level with all the details within the... Like, excuse me, Obama, the reason that we have state laws is because we're supposedly independent. When does the United States of America federal law trump state law into what we can or will abide for, especially when this is an international agreement? This is the stuff you need to be paying attention to. Other parts of it are the uh, eight, eight years after adopting this and nuclear activity, if it remains peaceful, then, you know, they can, you know, um, be released from the levels of enriched nuclear uh, material that they can make. Um, U.S. sanctions that are targeting Iran for human rights, terrorism, and missile activities can remain under this agreement. And the U.S. can oppose additional sanctions for non-nuclear issues like terrorism, human rights, etc. But they all have to be proven. So if people actually took a look at the deal, they'd see that it was to benefit some people that are American persons, American citizens, acting as trade envoys for um, Iranian products. This was the whole deal. Now, Bremen and Sherman went and they were invited by the Democrats because they want to know how much trouble they're in. Europe is already freaking out because they know President Trump is not going to take a step back. He said it's America first, and he meant it was America first. And this is why today, when we have the announcement, 2.15 Eastern Time, which will be right after the show, uh, he will tell us what America first means. This deal made it all one-sided, all about Iran. For what, though? What was the exchange that we had as a nation for agreeing to do this with Iran? I'll tell you what it was. Absolutely nothing. We gave them full control and trust that they would do what they said that they would do. With a country with so much uranium, you would be concerned how and who they're selling it to. We can't monitor that. So in essence, these black ops operations, this money laundering and funding terrorism is the main reason why it was agreed with. Because those were things that we've done. It's come to fruition. that It was the United States all along that has been always funding ISIS or what Obama called ISIL. Right. It was all along. It was us. We trained them. We funded them. And who has been sending that money for us? Iran. That's the bottom line. So what we need to understand is how this all pans out for us in the end. And with Iran being at the forefront and people looking forward, uh, you know, we might actually see not a war with Iran, but a war with the European Union. And it seems like it's coming sooner rather than later. And President Trump has made that clear that we will not stand by and allow others to tell us how we dictate our policy on foreign relations nor subside and kneel to any use of geopolitical weapons like the pipelines we see. On that note, right after the break, we will have Cindy Gomez-Shem and we will talk Mexico, 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 and the border. See you in a bit. 
Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this second hour, like I said, it's all going to be about the border, border, border. But over the break, I received a lot of messages. And yes, I just wanted to reinforce quickly that indeed the reason that they had Brennan and Sherman go down and only meet with the Democrats on the day that Secretary Pompeo was going to brief. And like we heard the senator during the interview state, he could not confirm or deny and um, through reports, nobody can confirm where that missile came from. It seemed as if it was more mitigation because Brennan has no security clearance, but he was there simply with Sherman to reinforce what they knew so that way they can mitigate. Again, this is another way that for some reason, just like you heard Pelosi say in the morning, and I played for you in the first hour, They're not even doing their job as legislators. It's as if they're having all these meetings just to find ways to find something to go against the administration. I mean, when does this get old? When are we just going to move along and realize what America first really means, what it means to be a sovereign nation, and what it means to protect the interests of our citizens? Um, It's pretty incredible. These people aren't even doing their job, and this was another demonstration Bringing in Brennan, who is currently been, uh, you know, going through grand jury uh, indictments. Uh, he's being investigated for criminal actions. I mean, come on, guys. When does this get old? On that note, before I introduce the amazing Cindy Gomez-Shemp, who I find to be one of the leading authorities in regards to what is going on with the border, to explain it more layman, and she can give us an update on what's going on. It's been well overdue for her to come. I wanted you guys to hear uh, this, um, the Homeland Security meeting, a review of the budget request for the Department of Homeland, where Acting Secretary McGillian uh, is, is testifying. But I want you to hear what... Miss Rice, and it literally says Miss on her thing, which I was like, okay, um, from New York, what she had to say. Um, but we have Mr. Taylor right now talking who didn't know what he was talking about. But take a listen. It's a one-minute thing. Last, last month on the, on the border, how many of those have been released into the United States? So due to the restrictions on, on retaining families together, about 60% of those crossings are now family units. So almost all of those people have been released in the United States. If they're not from Mexico, if they didn't go through a credible fear finding and get a negative determination, uh, they're likely to still be in the U.S. waiting a court proceeding. And so when, when you're doing your numbers, they're going into the temporary visa. So, they, so they're being apprehended and then being released on a temporary visa in the United States. Is that right? It's not a visa. Uh, they're... they're essentially paroled released on their own recognizance to to pending a court hearing okay so they're not in the 10 million bucket they're another they're they're another bucket altogether of people that are coming into this country um illegally okay so that that was mr taylor i just wanted to play that part because he just made it clear that they know that there's 10 million illegal immigrants 
within the nation that aren't the families that are 60% that are coming in and then being released. Just so that you understand the gravity of how huge the numbers are. Now let's go to, <laughs> sorry, Miss Rice. And Miss Rice doesn't want to play. Great. Perfect. She doesn't want to play with me. Miss Rice needs to be on play. Come on, Miss Rice. Okay. Miss Rice doesn't want to play. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, what she was saying was just preposterous, talking about sanctuaries, talking about just taking jabs. Hold on. Yep, she's gone. Yay. All right, that's okay. It was pretty it, it was pretty incredible. She was talking about the sanctuaries and how uh everything is wrong and how President Trump is being racist and how having open borders is not harming us and how uh politicizing them is not correct, but apparently um the C-SPAN stream did not want to go forward. I guess maybe because it ended and it's no longer live, so I'm not going to go through 3 hours right now. With no further ado, we're bringing on Cindy Gomez-Shem. She comes, well, she'll tell you where you can find her. Uh, she's actually in Fargo, which is kind of awesome. You know, North Dakota has some really good voices coming out in regards to parsing through all the nonsense we see, all the congestion of fake news, uh, and just parsing through so people can understand the reality of situations when they're being spoken of. Because like I demonstrated with the uranium deal, people kept thinking it was about missiles, and it's not. It's about cultivating and taking natural uranium in its stable form and creating a more fissile uranium that can create nuclear reactions. Now, further ado, Cindy, welcome to the Tory Session. I'm so excited that you're here. You should be here more often. Um, uh, Yeah, I really want you to get everyone up to speed with what's going on, but first tell them where they can find you, follow you, and uh, listen to your amazing shows, which I listen to diligently. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love being on Red State Radio, and you can find everything uh, Mexican Toss and Wine related on com. You can also find us on Facebook at 88.1 Fargo Moorhead, and you can uh, follow me on City Doshem. You can also follow us on media underscore PPP on Twitter. And, you know, we went through the ringer here in North Dakota with the No Dabble protest. That's where I learned. Oh, wait, about wait, all wait hold on, hold on one second. Cindy, I, I'm hearing you echoing. It doesn't sound, it sounds a little bit echoey. How about now? Is that better? Pardon? Is that better for you? Yeah, it just sounds echoey for some reason. I don't know why. Because I, it, it, I think I fixed it. I okay, think I fixed now it. it's better. <clears throat> Go. Okay. So we learned a lot about the uh, people that have organized and funded it and are manipulating and exploiting the migrants in these caravans right here in North Dakota. Because a lot of the activists uh, in the leadership are um, people that brought us the Dakota Access Pipeline protest for over a year, costing us over $30 million right here in North Dakota. And, you know, I was one of the people that believed that all of these people coming from all over the country were just intrigued to be in North Dakota because of all of the Native people uh, gathering for the first time in uh, over a hundred years. You know, I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. That's why there's tens of thousands of people coming 
And when, you know, you had all of these politicians and Hollywood actors and stuff, Mark Ruffalo and Dr. Um, uh, Westcombe and you had um, all of these different, uh, you know, groups like Linda Sarsour from the Women's March show up and you had Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez come and, you know, you had Black Lives Matter people come. I thought, well, that makes, that makes sense. It's, it's just because, you know, it's such a huge gathering of Native Americans. But no, it was planned. It was orchestrated. It was directed. And it basically usurps the voices of real Native Americans in this region. You can't, you can't even imagine how much mail I have gotten in response to the shows I've been doing, exposing how the leadership of the Dakota Access Pipeline is now involved in the caravan. From people that have had to deal with these culture vultures, uh, whether it's at a pipeline protest or at a natural disaster like we saw after Hurricane Maria, because these same uh, activists, pseudo-activists, were present in uh, many uh, infrastructure projects after Standing Rock, like uh, the camps that they did to Scotland Three, and as as you know, they're currently uh, doing a lot of that uh, here in the United States. So um, the the border situation uh, will continue to careen out of control as long as you have forces. And by the way, Tori. Uh, th this is not just a Democrat um, and a leftist uh, party problem because I have uh, I've seen a lot of cooperation from the right. I've seen a lot of, of uh, you know close your eyes and don't notice what is happening on the right. And oh yes, I've been really frustrated with with it to be honest with you because there's a lot of. American citizens that are down at the border uh, documenting the thousands of people, groups of hundreds of people at a time pouring over the border, but you know, just a constant flow, constant flow. And uh, yeah, I mean, they said that there's already 10 million that are not the 60% of those that our families, like bona fide families, because we found right. with the test results that over, what was it? Is it 70 or 80%? What was the number? Were really not families. They were lying. Um, it was something insane. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing? And you're right. The right has a problem. I mean, in our state, it's Senator Hoven who's pushing to put drones. And the president has come out pretty clear and said, what are drones going to do to stop people from coming? They have drones? Yeah, that's what, the, 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 you know, Hoven's pushing his little drone system, you know, that um, he's pushed in our state here. He wants to put drones down at the southern border made by North Dakota companies. And it's like, hold on, dude, what's a drone going to do? Are you going to start shooting these people? Like, why? what are drones going to do? And the president, it was it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday, said uh, drones aren't going to stop them. We need a wall. We need to be able to have a physical barrier because there's always ways around it. And this is how we 
regulate. And he's expressing severe frustration. The fact that Mexico is virtually doing absolutely nothing. To stop there you them. go. Yeah, there you go. Nothing. That's where you should be looking. Right, right. They're doing absolutely nothing. We've got the the fake conservatives or the fake Americans because, you know, it's not like Republicans. You know, the Republican Party isn't a whole. It is It is not as united as the Democrats. Right um, now is right. elections in Mexico, Tori. Right. Right now is elections in Baja, California, oh, which my is gosh. connected and adjacent to... California to the sanctuary uh, state, let's just call it, um, to Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi's nephew, to the millions of dollars he is handing out in aid to the unchecked border because there is no National Guard. Mexico is now putting a National Guard at its southern border, finally, after people have become so enraged and disgusted. The state of Chiapas is a mess. It is a mess. People, people like it's a winter advisory are told not to leave their homes or businesses. Can you imagine the the losses, the millions of dollars in losses in tourism and business and, and then just the lack of security where people are afraid to walk the streets to leave their homes because people will rob you. They will take your phone. They will take your money. They will take your life on a whim. That's what's going on down at the southern border. And the Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, has just been plugging his ears and going, la, 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 la. He's like, he does not care that the Mexican people are begging for him to do something and finally, finally, I mean, it just boggles the mind. You have to ask yourself, what what is he in bed with? What agreements did he make uh, aside from this UN pact? What agreement? Who's who's lining his pocket with money? Who did he sell out to? Because we know, it is we just, know Nieto got lined a hundred million dollars from El Chapo. We know that, um, right? From, right, a hundred million dollars you pay off a president. Imagine, what? imagine how much money he's getting in from who, and it could be the Democratic front. I but mean, see, you know what? He came in on this. On this, uh, I will not take any corruption money. I am. I'm the least corrupt president. I'm so uncorrupted. Uh, uncorruptible and uncorrupted. I ain't gonna even live in the White House. He doesn't live in Los Pinos. He turned Los Pinos into an open museum for the public. You can go and like walk around in there. <laughs> well, the and, thing and- is, he's obviously getting it from somewhere because you know he implemented you know on that momentum of getting elected as someone that's not that you can't corrupt in Mexico. Like, yeah, we've got a president that looks looking after Mexicans first, and he's going to make all these overstay visas and people. But he's not the border. But yeah, he's but not. he's saying. But what he said was, and he implemented that immigration program, didn't he, Cindy? He put in that immigration program, making everyone come forward to get cards, so we know who you are. And if you don't get a card, you get deported. But the thing is, those satellite offices that issue those cards are corrupt themselves. 
Yeah. They're not even doing the checks anymore. So if someone comes in from Guatemala and they don't do E-Verify from wherever he is or they can't or they obfuscate it, they just give him a clean bill of health and send him straight to the border of the United States and say, go. And then the United States, remember, we talked about this months ago, didn't we? Where I was like, well, with that card program, you watch the Democrats advocate that we have to just accept what Mexico tells us. See, but there's a lot of layers here of nuance. You have corrupt government officials. Yes, of course, we know that happens everywhere, and especially in a country uh, like Mexico, where you have, you know, a lot of poverty and people are supplementing their income with bribes. But but that aside, and and Mexico's cracking down on that. They just let go uh, more than 300 um, Inami workers, uh, and Inami is like the equivalent to our ICE. So they're cracking down on that. But then we have the other layer of all these fake documents. You can get these anywhere now. You want a birth certificate? You want a marriage certificate? They're selling them. You can get them anywhere. And people are using those to create these fake families, to create these fake family units. And here's the sad part. Here's the disgusting part. Because the United States knows that this is happening on a massive scale. And so does Mexico. So does Mexico. I even showed on my show how some of these newly inducted immigrants from Central America are now getting Infonavit. Infonavit is like subsidized housing in Mexico. It's only for citizens. And voting registrations. And so the party of Morena, which is AMLO's party, by the way, by the way, did you notice how all of the states in Mexico that are headed up by governors that are that are uh, heavy in Morena uh, support are the route that these migrants and these caravans yes. are taking? Yes, it's incredible, isn't it? And, yeah, because. And- they're, they're, they're allowing it. Mm-hmm. No, but that's the thing. That's what's important. People need to realize that this border issue is being played on both sides of the border. We uh-huh. have the United States corrupt. We have our legislators. What was it? Nancy Pelosi, when she made that announcement, how they were like wasting their time other than legislating, creating these, let's get his tax returns. Let's do this, but anything but our job. But we did this DACA thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they're doing all that. They're trying to put pressure on Ben Carson. So Dr. Carson was being scrutinized for not giving free housing to Mexicans or Guatemalans or Hondurans saying that it's racist. I don't know if wow. you saw that. Did you see that? So what you're saying about the housing, same thing just happened. And he tweeted out today, he tweeted out a portion of it that says um, that the law section, blah, 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 prohibits the secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban um, Development, HUD, from making financial assistance available to persons who are other than the than United States citizens, nationals, or certain categories of eligible non-citizens. So this was a notice to all applicants applying now for like Section 8, um, aid, you know, free housing, you know, project housing, whatever. And the Democrats have completely flipped. They're like, do it. I I used to work for uh, Section 8 housing. I used to work at City Hall in my hometown down in Iowa. And people were on wait lists, even in my small hometown of 30-some thousand people. For two and a half to five years, Tori. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here in America just like it happened in Mexico. We have 
in addition to all the people that get deported back to Mexico from everywhere, from everywhere, because they deport people from Central America, from uh, Brazil, from everywhere. They just deport them right over the Africa. border. Africa. Everywhere. Don't matter. You just get deported right over the border. So we have giant groups of refugees, homeless, right over the border. You can go to Tijuana, you can go to Ciudad Juarez, you can go to Matamoros. Doesn't matter. You're going to find a bunch of refugees. And here's the other part you have poverty, extreme poverty in about a quarter of the population. You have uh, people that are living uh, under poverty in about half of the population in Mexico. You have extreme homelessness in especially many of the urban areas. And then you have these migrant caravans coming through and massive numbers of Mexican people displaced, including refugees, displaced, removed, set aside, while all of the people in the migrant caravan are getting medical assistance, three squares, a cot, a roof over their head, and it is infuriating, infuriating the Mexican people. Well, imagine frankly, it would, it, they've been abandoned this whole time, and they're watching other people get food, medical care, and a shelter and in, they don't in, get in it. front of them. Right. So they're they're thinking Mexico first too now, because that's that's something that was really fun to watch last week was uh, Debbie Washerman Soltz, you know, the Democrat rep from Broward County, you know, Broward County with the dirty sheriff and the fixed elections and the Parkland shooting. Um, They got notice that they were going to start sending them buses of uh, illegal migrants from the border. And they said, we'll be sending you like a couple hundred twice a week. And the mayor came out with an official statement saying, we can't do that. We, they will take from our social system. We don't, we can't give them the housing. We have people on wait lists. Uh, this is going to become a homeless camp. What are you doing? Yet that was a county that's been supporting open borders. That was a county that said we should let them live free and, you know, come in and, and, and just live. And it's like, okay, so these people are coming over with one backpack from wherever, either that be the shores of Africa or, you know, South America, Central America. America, how are they going to go and get a house? How are they going to work? Care about, I don't think that they care about any of that. They and did frankly, when it was when it was threatened that they were going to get them. They suddenly <laughs> threw their arms up in the air saying, this is ridiculous. How dare he send them to Florida? You know, they're not supposed to be here. And it's like, wait a minute. So you're okay with destroying the border cities of Mexico and Texas and creating this homeless camp strip across the whole border. Of and Arizona and New yeah. Mexico. Yeah. Because these, all, these bo- all the across. Border, the Border Support Network, the Border Support Network, started by anti-fascist, anarchists, uh, has camps all planned all along the border. And they're going to be sending these uh, hippie um, fake activists all throughout the southern border of America with, with veterans, just like they did here at Standing Rock, to support the immigrants that are coming in to ensure that they are accompanied and protected from Americans and militias and the scrutiny of the, the American people. 
because the, the scrutiny of the American people is already starting to happen. No matter how much the fake media has been telling people, there's nothing to see here, calm down, nothing is happening at your southern border. People, that, especially those that live at the southern border, are beginning to realize, oh no, this is really a thing. It's an emergency. This is really a thing. And, and by the way, uh, I, I, I don't think Hoven is completely out of his mind when he says that we need drone, drones down there because the activists have them. Remember all of the drones that came out of North Dakota's Standing Rock movement? They took those on the road. They took those to their camps. They're using them now to surveil Border Patrol. They're using them now down in uh, New Mexico and in Arizona and Texas to help these migrants cross, to find out where the Border Patrol is, to find out where uh, American militias are, to keep them out of the way of anybody that could stop them from entering the country. Look, Cindy, the 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 drones. We already have some drones down there, okay? Where they mm-hmm. monitor because choppers yeah. are way too. They're more expensive. What Hoven's proposal with other rhinos, or you know, we should actually split it up to uh, pro-American representatives because there's like three of them that are on the Democrat ticket too, right? And then non-American, non-pro-American, you know. Um, So he's on the non-American side. His suggestion was we shouldn't put a physical barrier. We should just have a bunch of drones. And it's kind of like we should use smart walls. You know, Pelosi pushed that. Maxine Waters pushed that. And what do we know about technology, Cindy? There's always a bypass. There's always a code you could put. There's Uh, always a way. Yeah. But on top of that, here's the thing. So you know that they're coming. What are you going to do? Have an armada, you know, every five feet to catch them? They're going to be gone before you get there. Mm -hmm. How many times does that happen where you're at one part of the border and there's people rushing in? By the time the Border Patrol gets there from wherever the point of entry is that they've been stationed at, they're yeah. gone. They're gone. And you have no yeah. idea who just entered. So your uh, drones are what? Going to follow them? So they won't be able to what? Mitigate, chaff, something? I mean, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. This is just another way of saying we're not getting a wall. And a wall is something that has been proven effective throughout time and time again throughout the world. I mean, there's one great wall we could see from the moon, and that's the Great Wall of China. They did it so that they could stop people from coming in, if you remember, because they didn't have enough, and they didn't want to globalize themselves, and they wanted to, to maintain and sustain themselves and to deter attacks. For us, the issue isn't so much the Central Americans coming in. It's not. It's the fact that it's coordinated in order to collapse our infrastructure, to be able to promote more socialist ideologies and establish them. Because if you have... Um, you know, cities and states like Arizona, you know, border cities like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, California, and Mexico, right? And on the Mexican and, side, we're talking Mexico. Really, what's really terrifying is that I have looked at some of the um, pleadings in this uh, lawsuit against Trump on the migrant protection protocols, and I don't think that the government's interpretation current government interpretation on making people stay in Mexico is going to hold up in court. I'm just telling you that God's honest truth. And what's terrifying about this is that we have not fixed our asylum. There's a loophole. Obviously there's a loophole and it is crushing us. It is crushing us because the, the government is going to be forced to allow every asylum seeker to remain in the United States the entire time while they're waiting for their asylum claim. We don't have any kind of, if you try to defraud the government, 
we ban you for 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 life from the country kind of um, you know punishment for the people that knowingly bring fraudulent claims with false documentation with whatever to the United States. We we are simply just allowing people to come in and disappear. Disappear into the United States well, while the they point. wait for asylum. But that's the point. They want them to either disappear on the U.S. state side, right? Or the, the U.S.-Mexican border side. Because this is how you create, um, a, you know, uh, a, a, a collapse in the infrastructure. Um, if people just look at what Florida was saying when it was happening, they said that within a couple of weeks, their cities would collapse as infrastructure. It would be a homeless camp. They would have no money. And what happens, Cindy, when we have an influx, say, say in our cities, let's pretend in my city of Minot, which has like, what, 50,000 people maximum? And that's if. They drop in, you know, 5,000, just, just a small percentage, a 10% of the population here, 5,000 illegal migrants. The economy here, the infrastructure as a city will collapse. Uh, you know, people will be competing for jobs. People will be competing for housing. Pricing is, prices for houses are going to go up. People are going to get kicked out. People are going to be on the street. There's not going to be enough food. There's not going to be enough anything. Resources will just go. And at that point, that's when residents of those cities that have had this happen to them look up to the government and say, you need to fix this. What do you need? We need higher taxes for property owners. Or And then the property owners are like, forget that. I'm getting rid of my property. I'm selling it. I'm leaving. We see abandonment, poverty. And once we have enough poverty, we're able to then implement more socialist norms um, and sharing you, wealth you ideas. Think that, you think that California is going to empty out because they're going to fill it with migrants? Well, it already has started emptying out, Cindy. Uh, you know, it's already started to to empty out. Um, McAllen, Texas, has been complaining that you know now the primary language there is pretty much Spanish uh, because you know everybody else left. People sold their properties; they're up for sale. They're just renting them to migrants because they didn't want to stay there anymore because there was no way that they could sustain themselves. And people that were working class Americans that had jobs that lived paycheck to paycheck, some of them were on welfare, single single mothers, single fathers, you know, uh, they all had to leave because their city didn't have the, the funds to help them. So, you know, this causes, you know, migration and creates, like, I can envision that the border of the, the southern border of the United States, which is the northern border of Mexico, uh, you know, 500 miles in both ways would be like the poverty stricken strip. You know what I mean? Well, let, let me let me let me explain something to you about what these activists, pseudo activists uh, are doing. They've taken the job of a coyote and they have chopped it up and they have decentralized their leadership so that you don't know what each of them is doing. And they appear to not be working in tandem with each other. And they hope that this will obfuscate uh, how they're working together and who's, who's, who's running what so that they don't have any accountability to the law. But at the end of the day, all of the people that are operating to help this giant international smuggling ring funnel uh, millions of people into the United States they're all part of an international smuggling and trafficking uh, ring. 
That's what they're doing. That's what they're helping and assisting, including the politicians in Congress that are helping this, including the governors of the states of places like California that are allowing this and New Mexico. Um, and so what I feel like they have agreed to is to be part of the coyote business. They want to cut. They want a piece of the action, which includes the sheltering, the, the, the legal support, never mind that they may not actually be providing very quality uh, care to the uh, people that they claim that they're going to be helping. Now, a lot of the people that are in these newly formed organizations that have only been around three or four years uh, that are stepping up to the plate, that are part of the uh, funding um, for the care of these migrants. They're just getting in line, getting a piece of the action while the getting is good because billions and billions of dollars are made by private detention facilities. And now to include all of these shelters, all of these churches, all of these nonprofit organizations uh, that are part of this border support, caravan support network. But you have to think of it. What is the end game? Because on a short term, meaning maybe what, one to 10 years maximum, these people are making a ton of cash bringing yep. in migrants that mm-hmm. way. But what is the end game? And I'll tell you what I think the end game is. I'll just, and tell me what you think. So okay. in Southern California with this, you know, huge wave of migrants coming in and they're from everywhere. They're not just, you know, Central American, Mexican. They're coming from Africa, the Middle East, everywhere. Um, it's being proposed, and this is like in the city locality, that people that will be coming in and staying, those that are already residents of that city, of that county, will be implementing a microchip in their hand. <laughs> to be able to be identified and locators will be placed on those that are illegal migrants to make sure that they come to their court dates. What do you think of that? Because the whole thing that I've been saying is the only reason they're bringing these migrants is to collapse our infrastructure. At that point, when there is uh, chaos, when there is poverty, when there are homeless camps everywhere, when there's, you know, just this fueling, chaotic environment in your country, you look up to your government and say, do something. They're like, well, in order to do something, we need to make sure that everyone is legal here and we're going to fix this and we're going to be able to track you, take this microchip in your hand this is what's going to be proposed now in southern california do you really believe that in a country where we can't even dna test and get all the barometrics for every person that's biometrics for all the people that are coming in right now that we can afford to chip everyone no 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 but that is the that was the idea and they're going to pilot it in the county down there in Southern California, they're going to pilot it where they're going to have every single American citizen and non-American citizen, non-American citizen, that includes illegal, resident aliens, etc., to be chipped if you are living in that county. And they're going to pilot that. That's what I'm saying. So long term, that would be the plan. This is how you control a population by them forfeiting their rights. I mean, I don't feel comfortable with someone chipping me. No, nobody's going to allow no, that. I don't, I, don't, I don't want the, the government already knows if I have my phone with me everywhere I go. If my car has OnStar on it, they totally know where I'm driving to. I mean, right. at least with those, I have the option of I'm not taking that car or I'm not going to wear my smartwatch and phone. 
phone or turn them off at least. And they can't, you know, and I have my privacy and I can go camping and leave me alone. But if I'm chipped, they can find me anywhere they want. That is the main plan. The plan was to bring these migrants and collapse our infrastructure. And the only reason that they've done it to this degree so quick with these organized groups that you've infiltrated and been able to expose for what they are is because President Trump has like started rebuilding portions of the wall and creating new ones. And this will cause a problem to their plan of collapsing infrastructure. In, in, in Europe, they already started piloting it up uh, in Germany in a certain, um, in two counties in Germany to tag all illegal and local residents of those counties to make sure that they can keep them in check. So okay. this was always, uh, I think, part of the plan. I, I, I'll tell you what my uh, end game scenario looks like, because I'm just taking into account factors on both sides of the border. And as you well know, we recently had a very highly publicized trial of uh, Chapo Guzman. And there is a power void that took place in Mexico because of his going to jail. And you can never discount the cartels in Mexico because they might as well be the government in some regards, in some respects. Right. And they're very, very much involved. Organized crime is very much involved in organized crime. Makes a lot of money. Lots lots of money. And here in the United States, that means trafficking. Organ trafficking, sex trafficking, child trafficking. It's happening on a massive scale right now. On a massive scale. And the United States is well aware that there's a massive number of children and people that are being smuggled into the United States that are that, that are not identified properly, that are fake families, that are that are uh, possibly trafficking children. All of these things are happening. The United States knows that it's happening. Mexico knows that it's happening, and they're not stopping it. They are unable to stop it. It is still happening. Why is that happening? Well, huge market. Um, <laughs> I, I I believe, and I've always believed this. Corey, I believe that neither Democrats nor Republicans want to solve the problem of immigration, want to give people a pathway to be uh, documented and be out in the open uh, because they need a slave labor exploitable group of people. They need slave labor. We can't compete with China. We can't compete with India. Are you kidding me? The only way the United States can compete with other countries that use slave labor, and I'm talking about prisoners in their I prison system. I was talking system. about it, exactly. They, they, people think that slavery is over, and we're going to see Africa come into the picture in 2020. Africa's already here. I know. No, yeah, no, but Africa, they're actually taking Africans. They actually have literal slaves. And right. the northern African slash Middle Eastern countries, including Israel, are deporting all of them, sending them back with money because they don't want to be involved in those shenanigans like they've started to remove these people 
people and say, no, you're free. You don't have to stay here. Please go. Here's a ticket home. You know what I mean? All yeah. of them, because people think that slavery isn't real. In, oh, no, it's in, alive in, and well. Yeah, yeah. And, and in our States. country, we're trying to make it look like it's compassionate when it when slaves, in, in essence, were exactly what the migrants pouring in from the border are. They're people that are going to work for anything. Well, 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 I'm going to stop you right there. We have always had an exploitable labor force that is willing to work. But you know what? Nobody brought them here on a bus. Nobody paid their way here or supplied them drugs on their route. Nobody put them up at an Airbnb. These are things that have happened within this, these migrant caravans and these fake migrations and these non-organic migrations that have been orchestrated with American funding and American pseudo-activists. And those people, I'm not sure about, Dory. I don't know what their work ethic is like. I know that they're willing to pretend that they have kids that aren't theirs and, and even recycle children or borrow them or, or, or you know, uh, pay someone to, to use their child to bring into the United States. I know that they're willing to make fake marriages. I know that they're willing to do all sorts of crazy things. I haven't seen migrants do before, not in Mexico, not in the United States. So I don't know what to tell you about the work ethic of these new migrants in these caravans because somebody brought them here. The people that came here before that were part of that black market of exploitables, those people came here by, you know, they're, they're with, on their own two feet, most of them able-bodied men. We never saw massive numbers of families. During the Obama's administration was the first time we saw a massive influx of unaccompanied minors. And let me tell you, that was a test for America. That was to test what would happen if we use children as a weapon. Now we know. And now it's being used on us again. But now the the delivery system is the families. What's going to happen to a majority of these folks? I don't know. What I can tell you is in Mexico, even though they were offered a humanitarian visa and an opportunity to travel throughout the country and obtain work and get housing, rent, buy, they they stayed at the shelters. They wanted this, the humanitarian aid shelters to stay open. They didn't want to pay rent. They didn't want to get jobs. And a large number of them, according to the people that house them in shelters like the Agape Shelter, where I interviewed the pastor, he told me that there is a large contingent of the folks that are coming in these caravans that have substance abuse problems, severe addiction problems. Those people are not employable. You're going to have to cure them first. And if their country decided to export them rather than to cure them, what do you think we're going to do with them here? Well, people that have substance abuse, Cindy, unfortunately, are the most vulnerable. Those are the ones that are usually put to work, and that's in air quotes, in uh, trafficking rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, uh, you know, further perpetuate drug habits and um, drug addiction. I mean, the most vulnerable human beings that we see in our nation that are exploited are usually what? People that are dependent on drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for a fix, they'll do anything. And that's yeah. a big deal. Um, it is a very big market. 
these uh, children coming in, humans coming in, being trafficked, some of them stolen from their countries, not all of them voluntarily. And this mm-hmm. is modern slavery, uh, and it's and it's more of we're making you dependent. It's kind of like, think of this. Back in the days when they used to use slave ships, right, from England, Spain, France, and the United States back then when they used to transport Africans that their own people sold to them, right? Remember, yeah. they'd, go to the, they'd go to Nigeria and they'd literally buy them from their own people. So they'd bring them over and what would they do? They would house them, right? They would feed them, but they would work all day. Mm-hmm. in exchange for room and board and they would give them some health care i mean you wouldn't want your worker to get sick and die right they would let them have families they would give them how they took care of them it wasn't always terrible but they were also disposable and not treated as human beings you know they weren't allowed to read they couldn't go to theaters they couldn't go to restaurants they were pretty much just there to work Think of it this way. The illegal migrants that are coming are now dependent on the state, correct? They're given um, room and board and, and food and health care. In exchange, what are they supposed to do? Work. And a lot of them, you know, like you said, may not want to go to work because they just want to reap the benefits and stay in the shelters or do whatever. Many Some of, of them, them will be addicts. able to work because they don't have working documents. Right, that too. But let's pretend that they did give them working documents. What kind of jobs would they f- fulfill? You remember, you heard all of these people that are out there advocating for an open border saying, well, who's going to clean my toilets? Who was it? Raven Simone that said that, (laughs) right? This is what they're going to do. They're going to have people that come here that have been conned to come here, paid to come here, whatever it is to do. There were volunteers. There were volunteers, American volunteers from these pseudo activist groups that were down there working with the lawyers group by local lado that's currently being investigated by DHS saying in videos I played on my show saying to people, you know, uh, if you want to be a sponsor for some of these people getting out of the detention facilities, um, some of these folks are great with elderly people. You have an elderly person that you need taken care of. They can, uh, some of them can do a lawn work. Uh, help cleaning up around that house, you know, um, they're real handy. They like, they like to do stuff. And I was like, is this an, uh, is this a commercial for rent a slave? Uh, and here's the thing. I did some homework on, uh, Newsom and I found investments that he has and Pelosi have in common being relatives and all. Mm-hmm. And they have investments in this thing called something cleaning, Maria cleaning or something. What? Yes. So I'm still digging into that because I want to see like what it is. Cause I see it registered and then it's not, it's changed name. So it's kind of a r- rabbit hole. But they're it's, not. It's a but they're not the only service. one story. Yeah, no. Democrats I know, I know. have always wanted border security, and now for some reason they want no border. No. Wait. Wall. Democrats have said they wanted border security. They never actually made an effort for border security. Well, because, to be honest and be, to be fair, neither side has wanted to fix this problem because they exactly, need a shadow society. Exactly. But, but there is something very new. Because I believe that a lot of these Democrats that are personally involved in helping the migrant caravan are invested. Yeah, tons of money. Are you kidding? They've invested all their money. I wanted you to talk about Puerto Rico because when you sent me that uh, some information um, after watching it as well, it had a light bulb go out. 
you know, it just went boom because the president has been talking about Puerto Rico. And what was funny was, is that when all the Democrats had their, what was it? Their, um, retreat in Puerto Rico, Mm -hmm. if you remember, and a lot of them have been investing a lot and traveling there lately. So Mm -hmm. I wanted you to tell my listeners, oh my gosh, can you believe we only have like seven minutes left? How's that even possible? (laughs) I wanted you to tell my, I know, right. I wanted you to tell my listeners about Puerto Rico. Well, these uh, culture vultures, they went to Puerto Rico and they they were peddling junk science like cold fusion and they were they were talking about how they were gonna put solar panels everywhere and fund their GoFundMe or their PayPal or their Venmo because they're gonna change the world. And they were like doing cryptocurrency conferences. It was it was crazy. It was crazy the number of disaster vultures that descended on Puerto Rico. And the only reason I was following their activities was because many of them were at Standing Rock. Many of them went to Flint, Michigan afterwards and to different infrastructure projects, pipeline protests uh, that they were defrauding people at, that they were, you know, committing other kinds of crimes involving uh, moral turpitude. And there they were in Puerto Rico doing the same thing. So uh, I wanted to advise people to try to give any kind of warning. Uh, And one of my listeners to my last night's show on Mexican Crossing Lines wrote to me to say that he was 100% on my side. He says, I'm 100% on your side, but I will say those from Standing Rock took advantage of free humanitarian flights to Puerto Rico. And they danced around here from what I was told and what I saw on Facebook and didn't accomplish much. Um, There was a few good folks, but they had no damn idea what Puerto Rico was about. You know what? Most of the groups involved in the caravan have no damn idea what migration, what immigration law, what the border security issues are about. They don't know and they don't care. They're just here for the free trip, for the free lunch and for the money, for the fame. So, um, do you think you know, this is intertwined with the demands for more money, even though Puerto Rico has gotten more money than anyone in history after a hurricane and they're asking for more? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's sad because where the money goes matters. And if you give it to the wrong people, then the people that actually need it don't get any help. And we keep doing that in America. We give money to the wrong people. No, we do. We do. And, you know, we're seeing it now with agriculture. I was a little bit upset that I didn't see a lot of, you know, for us in North Dakota, you know, with those, with that aid that's coming in. I'm just glad that at least we had Chris Berg ask that question. Like, how do we stop people from double dipping, triple dipping? Corruption is on all local levels in every single state, right? And when there's so much money like that, 15 billion, how do you know it's not going to the friend of the friend of the friend of the friend, like you said, in the wrong hands? Because that's exactly what happened when the hurricane hit Puerto Rico. You know, there was water sitting on tarmac forever and nobody got water. There was so much money pouring in and they've done nothing and they're asking for more. And it's just curious how these humanitarian flights are happening uh, toward Puerto Rico now in cooperation with the whole we need more money. Um, And, you know, the president has been very vocal just even today where he said that much of the wall is being built on the southern border. And Mm -hmm. they're literally demolishing the previous ones to rebuild it because it was worthless. 
Like people knew how to scale that. It wasn't to deter people. It was just there, you know. I was I was down there. I was watching people. And there, there, <laughs> there are parts of that old wall that people can take down so easily. Right. And it, 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 if you don't constantly replace uh, parts of the wall, like the ones that are closest to the ocean, where there's a lot of corrosion, right then, you know, people are going to get across very easily. Why do you think so many people are crossing the border right there in Tijuana? Well, yeah, but they're saying he's not building the wall. He's like, he tweeted out, the problem is haters say that this isn't a new wall, but rather a renovation. Wrong. We must build where it's most needed. And there's a lot of tremendous work being done on pure renovation, fixing existing walls that are Mm -hmm. in bad condition, ineffective, and bring them to higher standard. Because like you said, there's corruption erosion there's places where there's wall and then it stops and then even where there is wall you could see how they you know climb it did you ever see that video where they actually put a ramp to put a car to drive over oh no i didn't and it got stuck that was hilarious but they've found ways over the years to kind of use this you know wall that was supposedly put there so you know they're saying he's not building it you know to tell the base he's not doing it but it's like in all honesty, people that support the president care about things being done, being effective. He could, in essence, not even build a wall, but stop this illegal flow, stop this human trafficking, the drug trafficking, the crime, the mafia, the the cartels, the little children being bought and sold, organ trafficking. If he can stop that, even if he didn't do a wall, they'd be happy. But in one essence, day, we need one day we're going to be having a discussion about this in retrospect, me and you. And, we're, and, and Homeland Security, our country's security uh, apparatus is going to be studying this migrant, the, caravaniz- the, the caravanization of migration, the way that they, they, they turn this into a weapon, a weapon to traffic drugs, arms, people. I've never seen anything like this but done they, before. But they, no, but no, no, you the, have. You've seen it in Europe. They had them. Oh, yeah, up sure. The but not here. Yeah, we've never seen it here and in this mass and the numbers, according to science, if you know, people can understand statistics are invasion, not immigration. And no. And, and it's being used as a weapon mm-hmm. in a way that people in the United States who are used to helping refugees and migrants are not. Yeah, yeah. And they don't know how it's being weaponized, too. That's what sucks. Because the Greeks were so open hearted and they brought them in, but it collapsed their infrastructure. Ergo, they just It's a Trojan horse. Yeah, but they submitted and then they suddenly lost their sovereignty because they were so broke because they had, you know, over a million people pouring on their shores. Like, what do you do? Let the person drown? You bring them in, you house them but it kills your infrastructure. On that note, I want you, Cindy, to tell everyone where they can follow you uh, live um, in like 15 seconds. <laughs> okay, go to 88.1 FM, Fargo Moorhead. You can also find us at kppfm.com and follow us on Twitter at, at underscore media PPP. Excellent. And Cindy, we have to do a longer show. And in retrospect, we will be talking about this. That's if ever we get the numbers. On that note, everyone, from everyone here at Red State Talk Radio, I want to wish you a great evening. God bless. And tomorrow, I think from what the president's going to say, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Stay tuned. He's making an announcement at 2.15. Have a great evening.